For some of you moms, you've had to address that kind of mess, right? That's too familiar. Almost triggers you sitting here in church. But hey, for all of you, welcome to week two of our, ser- of our series entitled Address the Mess. And to get us started today in our conversation, I want you to think about a couple of things. And I'd like for everybody to play along with this. Even if you're watching online, we'd like for you to participate in this. But first of all, what I want you to do is I want you to think about one of the biggest messes that you've created in your life. Think about that. What is one of the biggest messes that you created in life? Not, not like a physical mess, but a regret kind of mess. Maybe you're way past that mess that you're thinking about right now, or maybe you're right in the middle of it, but everybody identify one of those big regret messes in your mind. Maybe it was a financial mess. Maybe if that's come to your mind, this will help you. Maybe it's a financial mess. Maybe it was a dating mess or a marriage mess, or maybe it was a relational mess. Maybe it was kind of an academic mess or a family or a career kind of mess. Maybe you have just this huge mental warehouse of all kind of messes to pick from, and, and that's what's making it harder for you to be able to figure out what your mess is. Now, here's what I want you to do. Pick one of those. What is the one big regret mess that comes to mind? Now, I want you to think back to just before that mess became a mess. And let me ask you three questions. Three questions that I want you to think about before that mess became a mess. Here's the first question, and that is this. What tempted you to create that mess? Like, What made you make that decision or what made that path so appealing that even though you probably knew that it wouldn't turn out well or you probably knew that, man, this is probably not the wise thing to do, you made the decision anyhow. What made you make that decision? Was it you wanting something that you couldn't have? What was it trying to overcome some kind of personal insecurity now that you look back or was like over try, overcome some loneliness or some fear in your life? What made you make that decision? Was it pride? Was it jealousy? Was it lust? Was it greed? Was it guilt? Like what caught your attention and drew you in a direction that turned out to be a mess? So that's the first question. Here's the second question. When was the moment you chose the path that led to a mess? In other words, when was that moment for you when you were at, like you knew you were at a fork in the road, you were at a crossroads. And if you chose one option, you would have avoided the mess. But if you chose the option two, you practically guaranteed yourself the mess was coming. So when was that moment? Because here's the reality. When we all kind of think back upon our stories, what happens is we can all identify that moment of that crossroad. See, here's the thing that may happen. We may recognize it at the time when we were dealing with at the crossroad, or maybe we got clarity once we got past it and we got it looking back. But we all have a story of a pivotal or a crossroad moment. So what was that moment for you? And then the third question is this. Who or what warned you about the mess? See, in my life, every time I've made a mess where I've regretted it, I've been tempted and I gave in to sin and created a mess, here's what I know. There's always been a warning. 
Somebody always said something. Something made you pause. Maybe it wasn't somebody saying something, but something made you pause and reconsider. Here's the thing I know. Every time that I have been tempted to make a mess in my life, somebody warned me. Something warned me. And here's what I bet. I bet if you stop and think about it, you had a warning as well. Now, last week when we started the series Address a Mess, because the reality is all of us have made messes, and some of us, we are right in the middle of a mess right now, and the rest of us, we are in like one bad decision away from making a mess. And the question was, why? Why? Why do we make decisions and choices that we absolutely know are going to hurt us? Well, Scripture explains it in one word, and this word was introduced to us last week. Remember, Matt introduced this word, and it's the word temptation. See, we make messes in our life because we fall for temptation, and whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you know what it's like to face temptation. See, temptation is that thing that that makes us say that we'll never do something, and then we do it anyway. Temptation is why we talk about how we always, but then we don't. See, temptation is why we don't even live up to our own standards, much less God's. Temptation is why we fall so easily into the sin trap. Now, here's the thing. Last week, Matt introduced to us to the reason why temptation is so powerful. And if you were not here, I would encourage you to go back and watch or listen online because he talked about how that when you have a thought and you couple that with an emotion, all of a sudden that becomes a very strong temptation. So what we're going to do today is we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and we're going to show you how to resist, but not just resist, better yet, we're going to tell you how to avoid a lot of the temptations that come along and tripped us up and cause us to fall into sin in the first place. And, and the thing is, it is possible to do. In fact, back in the very first century, the Apostle Paul, he explained how. Now, many of you, if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, you know this, but if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Apostle Paul, he wrote many letters to first Christian communities. Communities that were part of the early church. And one of those letters he wrote was to a group of Christ followers in a Greek city called Corinth. And we call these letters 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Now, if you read the Apostle Paul's two letters to the church at Corinth, it won't take you long to, to figure out that these Christians were professional messmakers. They absolutely were professional messmakers. In fact, these two letters are correctional letters. They had created some huge messes, and they were giving into every type of temptation imaginable, and it was wrecking their lives, and it was wrecking their church, and their church was becoming carnal and lukewarm. So the Apostle Paul, he instructs them on how, here's how you avoid temptations that come your way. And then he talks about how they can navigate their lives so that they have less messes to address by dealing with temptations in a certain way. And the reality is so that they and we don't keep repeating the messy mistakes of our past. So when we jump into this statement that the Apostle Paul is writing to them, understand that we're jumping right into the middle of his thoughts 
in this passage. But here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now, here's the question. Why would the Apostle Paul say something like this? And here's why I believe he did. Because there were people in those churches, just like some of us, who thought they were beyond temptation. They thought, oh, I'm standing firm. They thought they were beyond temptation. And and they thought they were beyond the message that they have saw in the lives of the people around them. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, if you think you're standing firm, or if you think you are beyond temptation, he says, you really need to be careful because you're in big danger of creating a mess. So you need to be very careful. Because see, he says, whenever you think you're standing firm, you need to be careful because that's a sign of pride in your life. Now, here's the thing. Pride always precedes a fall. Pride always precedes a mess. Now, just in case you need some help understanding or seeing the pride in your own life, here's kind of what pride sounds like in our lives. So here's what it does. You watch someone else make a mess, and, and you see a mess that somebody else has created, and you think something like this. How could they be so stupid? How could they be so ignorant? Like, why would anybody think that's smart? And then you'll say something like this. Well, I would never do anything like that. I would never be that stupid. And you know what the Apostle Paul says? You better watch out. Because that's the kind of attitude that leads you or leaves you in danger of temptation. See, here's the reality. And this is kind of what the Apostle Paul is saying. It's why he says you need to be careful. See, you don't know what you would do or not do if you were given the right set of circumstances. So the Apostle Paul says, pride always precedes a fall. Pride always precedes a mess. So the Apostle Paul is telling us in this verse, he says, listen, let's just all admit, let's just all acknowledge that we have the potential to fall into sin, in the trap of sin through temptation. Let's let's just all admit that we have the potential of making a mess in our life. But he doesn't leave us there. Because that would kind of be hopeless. Then he comes and he says in verse 13, he says, but I want to tell you how to avoid these temptations when they come our way. Notice what he says. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Now understand something. This is probably the most often misinterpreted verse in scripture. Let let me help you understand something. The Apostle Paul, first of all, he's coming along and he says, temptation isn't new. It's just not new. In fact, my temptations, they're not new. Your temptations, they're not new. You have never faced a unique temptation in your life. Make sure you understand that. Now, we all like to come along and say, yeah, but you don't understand. My situation, it is so different. But that's just our way of deceiving ourselves into doing something we know that is wrong. See, you are unique. Your temptation is not. You are unique, but your situation 
is not. Your circumstances are not. Which means, and this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, he says, when he said what is common to man, he's saying, listen, there is a way to resist any temptation you face because it's already been faced and resisted by somebody before you. So, So your temptation is not unique to you. But then he goes on, he says, and not only that, God is faithful. Now, that's really good news because... Here's the thing, he's saying God is faithful even when we are faithless. And there have been plenty of times that God has been faithful that we have not been faithful. See, what that means is this, that no matter how many messes that you have made with your life, God's forgiveness is still available, not because we are faithful, but because God is faithful. And then the Apostle Paul, he's about to tell us, That he's not just faithful to help us address these messes, but more importantly, he says, but God is faithful to help us avoid them. And so this is what he writes next. He says, and God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, this is not the most misinterpreted verse. This is the most misquoted verse in the Bible, okay? So here's the thing. This one is the one that gets misquoted because people say, God will not put on you more than you can bear. No, this does not say God won't allow circumstances that are more on you than you can bear. People say that all the time, but it's not in the Bible. What God says in the Bible is he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God will allow circumstances in your life that are more than you can bear. He absolutely will. Because what it does when he allows you to be overloaded, it teaches you to depend on him and it grows your faith. But the Apostle Paul says, he won't let you be tempted by temptation that is stronger than what you can bear. Which means every time you face a temptation, you have a choice. In fact, last week, Matt talked about how every temptation, really what it is, it's an invitation to doubt God's goodness to us. It's it's a temptation to doubt God's faithfulness to us, that God will really provide. So what this means is, I'm tempted, and the reason it becomes a temptation is because I'm not sure that God's ways and God's plans are best for me. But the Apostle Paul He says, listen, you you have the opportunity to choose. You have the opportunity to choose to trust God that he has best in mind for you or to doubt God and his goodness because God will never allow you to face a temptation beyond what you can bear, meaning beyond what you can resist. There's no such thing as a temptation that can force you to disobey God. It's a choice that we make. So you can always choose to trust God at that moment. But here's the thing. That's not all that God will do. Notice this next statement. But when you are tempted, here's what else God will do. And this is so powerful. And this is what I want you to lock in on today. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, don't miss this. Because this is a game changer. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, when you're tempted to doubt, 
when you're tempted to doubt that God's ways are best, when you're tempted about to doubt God's goodness, that God is going to provide for you, he says, you got to understand, there's always a way out. He always provides you with an escape route that enables you to resist the temptation and avoid the mess of when you step into that trap of sin. Now, I want you to go back and think about that mess that you thought about at the beginning. And let me ask you a question about that mess that you were thinking about at the beginning of this talk. Looking back, isn't it true that God provide you a way out that you ignored? Go back to that temptation that you gave into and you started living in that sin and it made a mess in your life. Isn't it true that God provided you a way out that you ignored? Like you were at this crossroad, you were at this fork in the road and God gave you a chance to avoid the mess but you went ahead and made the other option instead. Instead of going right, you went left. For, for you, maybe that moment was when you had a chance to tell somebody about the fact that, hey, I'm facing this temptation. And if you'd have told somebody that you were facing this temptation, it would have been a game changer because it would have helped for you to break free from that temptation. But you kept silent and you eventually gave in to that temptation. Maybe for you, the moment was when you had a chance to leave, but you stayed. And the moment you chose to stay, you knew that you were choosing to create a mess to step into sin in your life. Maybe it was the moment when you should have closed the site. Maybe it was the moment when you should have deleted the email. Maybe it was the moment when you should have turned off your device and got you some accountability for that device. Maybe for you, your moment was when you should have cut up the credit card or the moment was for you when you should have walked out that store and you should have saved up for the purchase, but instead it was 0% interest for so many months and they were going to give you credit because you qualified and so you borrowed and your financial mess started right then. See, maybe for you, your way out, it wasn't a what, but it was a who. Maybe that was your way out. See, maybe your mom, she tried to have a conversation with you because moms are good like that, right? But you just ignored her. Yeah, mom, I hear what you're saying. Maybe your dad warned you, but you blew him off. Maybe your friend said something to you, but you refused to listen to them. Maybe your small group could have helped you, but you would not admit that you needed help or that you were struggling with the temptation. And what happened is, is you gave into the temptation and you stepped into that sinful behavior and you ended up in a mess. But here's the thing you need to understand. The mess didn't start when your world started falling apart. The mess started when you were at the fork in the road, when you were at the crossroads, when you ignored the way out that God had provided. Don't miss this. When you are tempted to doubt God's goodness, his faithfulness, that he has best in mind for you, there is always, there is always a way out. And do you know why God always provides a way out? Because God absolutely loves and cares about you.
He is a good father. And like any good parent, he wants what is best for you. He doesn't want you to live with the mess that temptation creates in your life. God loves you way too much, and his plans are way too good for you to stand by while you are just making a mess and him not try to help. So he provides a way out where you can avoid the mess that temptation brings. Don't miss that. In fact, the good news is you can actually plan out, plan a way out before the temptation hits. Now, this is important. I don't want you to miss this. You can actually plan a way out or a way to avoid the temptation before it ever hits. And, and we talked about this in a whole series before, but here's how you prepare to avoid the temptations by creating something called guardrails in your life. Now, you might want to write this next statement down. A guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Don't miss that. A guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So guardrails are how you predecide to protect yourself from temptation and not give in to what you're tempted to do. Now, let me just kind of give you some examples of guardrails. You might want to write some of these down to put them in your own life. See, you can, put your, you can put guardrails in your life to avoid financial temptation. But let me just give you several. Okay, one is um, not having a credit card. Not having a credit card is a great guardrail. In fact, there was a season early on in my life and marriage where Melody and I, we did without credit cards. We had no credit card because we did not want to get in a financial mess. And our thing was like, we didn't have the margin. So we're like, okay, we don't want to have, we don't want to have a credit card. Is it a sin to have a credit card? No. I mean, in our, this season of life, we do have one because we have plenty of margin because we've been able to save over the years and we've created our margin, right? And we have no children at home. It is amazing. That is a huge race. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but here's the thing I can tell you. It is hard to put yourself in debt when you don't have a credit card. And that, that's like a personal standard of behavior that keeps you from financial temptation of getting yourself in debt. Because it's just so easy to pull out that credit card, swipe it, and buy something, right? Now, here, here's another guardrail that you can put yourself in, in place for your financial and that is this, it's living on a budget. That, that's another financial guardrail. See, when you live on a budget every month, basically you track your spending every month and then you're much more likely to catch yourself before you get into a big financial mess because you'll see that you're not being good stewards of God's resources because you're spending more than you make. Or let me give you some different guardrails. If you're not married, but you wanna be married one day, you need some guardrails for your dating. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't have to use these guardrails we're going to talk about, but I'm telling you, your life will be so much better if you follow God's standard for your life. But here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, your guardrails need to help you honor God's standards and resist the temptation that every person faces. Don't miss this. That every person faces when they are dating. So one example of a guardrail for when you're in your dating life is say, listen, I don't stay at my date's place after a certain time each night. Why? Because I'm trying to honor my purity and the odds go down that I'll give in to sexual temptation if I'm not there after a certain time at night. Or another guardrail would be to say, I only date people who share the same faith and the same values. And you go, why? Because see, you can fall in love with anybody, 
But staying in love requires sharing the same values that the other person has. And that's really hard to do when you don't have the same values when, before you get married. See, it does, it's really hard to do if you're not on the same page with your faith. In fact, it is why the Apostle Paul, in this same letter, he says, you need to put this guardrail in place. So he says that, that we need to do the same thing. Now, here's, let me give you some for married life. Because um, we need guardrails even if we're married. Um, because if you want a guardrail that is going to help you avoid the temptation of neglecting your marriage, um, man, put a guardrail in saying, like, we're going to date twice a month, or we're going to date every, every week, we're going to have a date. See, that's a guardrail. And if you stick to that kind of guardrail, it helps you avoid the trap of neglecting your marriage. Uh, another one is this, is that you won't have an exclusive friendship with a person of the opposite sex. In other words, if my wife isn't a friend of hers, then I'm not either because I, I want to make sure that my wife is part of all the relationships that I have with a person of the opposite sex. So you can set guardrails like that or another one would be like you set a guardrail like we have this for all of our staff. Like you can't um, ride alone in a car or eat a, member or eat a meal alone with a, a person of the opposite sex um, unless you're single and dating them. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and why do we do that? Is, is it wrong to do that? No, but it's just a great guardrail. Because, see, it's really hard to give into sexual temptation if you don't put yourself in a position to be tempted that way. You're just keeping it very safe. Now, now some of you are sitting here listening to this and going, man, that just sounds so ridiculous, and that sounds so extreme. Some of you are thinking, I'll never be on your staff. But, no, no, listen, here's the thing. This is what wise people do. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He's like, listen, be wise. Be, be careful. If, if you think that you're standing so firm, he says, you better be careful because you're in danger of falling. See, wise people avoid being put in a position to be tempted as much as possible. They pre-decide to avoid temptation because here is what they know. When temptation comes... It's always easier to manage a decision than to make it. See, it is much easier to follow through on what you've already decided to do than try to decide what to do when temptation is calling your name and enticing you. See, here's the thing. You can't manage a decision that you've never made. But you can manage one that you have made. So God always provides a way out, but it is always easier to take that way out if you have predecided what you will do. So whenever temptation calls, there is always a choice and there's always a way of escape if we choose it. But here's the thing. There's also the opportunity <clears throat> to predecide <clears throat> But there's also an opportunity to predecide that I'm going to stay away from tempting situations. And more importantly, I'm simply going to manage those decisions that I've already made. So if, if you're serious about following Jesus and being a follower of Jesus, and you want to take this seriously, and you want to trust that God knows best for your life, here's what you need to do. There's two application points. First one is this. You need to set up some guardrails. And, and the way you do that is identify where you are the most temptable. And that's not hard to do. 
You know where you're the most temptable. And then start putting some guardrails in place to protect yourself. If you're married, talk to your spouse and set up some together. If you're not married, share your ideas for some guardrails with a friend. If you already have some guardrails, just kind of review them and, and go back through them. See, here's the thing. You can eliminate a lot of temptation by predeciding what you will and what you will not do. So that's the first decision is you got to put some guardrails in place. And then the second thing you do whenever you're facing temptation, make sure that you take the way out. Don't ignore the people or the events that God puts in your path to get your attention. Listen to them. Make the wise choice. Make the choice and decision that honors God and honors others. Now, here's what I know. Some of you listening, whether you're in a room today or you're online, you're on the verge of making a mess right now with your life. And your spouse is warning you, but you won't listen. Or you've got a mother, or you've got a dad, or you've got a grandmother, or you've got a grandfather who's trying to get through to you, and you're being so stubborn. And you've got that feeling in your gut about what you're to do, and, and you know you know something's not right about it, and you've got some friends who are warning you, pay attention to them. It's God's way of giving you a way out. Now, here's why I'm so passionate about this. See, I've been a pastor for 28 years, and before that, I taught in the prison system for eight years. And I've heard way too many stories of people who gave in to temptation, and then I watched them suffer from some messes that have, could have been completely avoided had they just taken the way out. And I remember asking my dad, who taught in the prison system for like 35 years, I remember asking him one day, Dad, there are some guys in here that are so much smarter than anybody on the street. What in the world are they doing in prison? And he said, they thought they were smart enough not to fall. Listen, you're not smart enough to do this on your own. While you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, you are not smart enough to outsmart temptation. So if you don't think it will happen to you, then you are flirting with disaster in your life. God loves you, and this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. God loves you enough to provide a way for you to resist temptation. So if you're on the verge, and you're sitting here today, and you know you're on the verge of making a mess, you're about to step over that edge into that temptation and give in to it, stop. Stop right where you are and think. Think, what do I need to change? Who do I need to listen to? Who, whose warnings are you just kind of blowing off? What's the way out that God is putting in front of you right now? What is the way out that you better choose? What is the way out that you need to choose? What do you need to do to do what you should do to take the way out? Now, some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was listening to this. I wish they could hear this. Some of you are saying, man, I wish there was a way I could talk with some people in my life more about this. Well, listen, I would encourage you to go to our website because on our website, not only will you find these messages, but you will also be able, which you could share with friends, but you'll also be able to find some discussion guides that we have there that will give you a good excuse to continue to carry on this conversation, maybe with some friends or some people who you are even attending with that you think, man, I see them. They're on the verge. See, 
we all, we all need those voices. That is part of God's way out for us. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, man, I wish I'd have heard this a month ago. I've made a mess. I wish I'd heard this a year ago, five years ago, because you blew through a guardrail and you ignored God's way out. And man, you are in the middle of a mess and it is so painful. And you're not sure if there's any hope of cleaning this up and moving forward in any kind of positive direction. And you're pretty sure your chance of a way out is back here and you're stuck with this mess. Well, let me just tell you, don't miss next week because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to give you a path that God gives us in his word for cleaning up any mess that you're in. But my encouragement to you this week is this. Don't fall for the temptations. Don't fall for the temptations. Don't ignore the warnings. Don't doubt God wants what is best for you. Set up some guardrails and then choose to take the way out. Because you need to remember this. When you're tempted to doubt God's goodness, that God has what is best for you, there is always, it's our choice, there is always a way out. And my encouragement to you is you pre-decide your way out in advance. It'll be so much better. And you'll, you'll fall into sin less and have so fewer messes in your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to hear this warning but also to understand the way out. God, I thank you for the encouragement that we get from this to realize that there is no temptation that will come our way that's beyond what we can bear. And with every temptation, you provide a way out. And so God, I pray today that you will help us to take this serious and as followers of Jesus, it will say, God, we're choosing to predecide some guardrails so that we can avoid these temptations and already decide our way out. But God, in the middle of being tempted, help us to heed the warnings. God, I just pray that you'll help us all to be leaning in daily into your word and in conversation with you through prayer because, God, it is in those quiet moments with you that you reveal to us the way out. But it's also in those quiet moments that you warn us of what's going on and what we're being tempted to fall into. So God, I just ask right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll help us to make a commitment today. Say, God, we're going to choose the way out. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks everyone for being with us today. You have a great day. And again, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there.